of all, I wanted to explain that um, Cindy and Susan and I joined the Women's Service League of Salvation Army, which is a service extension unit out of Fort Worth. And when we initially started with um, Salvation Army, I just thought it was another ladies thing to get involved in and that kind of thing. But uh, we went through the training. We decided to take the training to do disaster work. And little did we know that, uh, first of all, Susan and I um, got called right after we got our badges, uh, um, completed our training, we got called to go to Hurricane Harvey. And we didn't really know what to expect. Uh, the gal that we were with, Linda Dowell, um, she had been on disaster work before. So she was able to kind of give us a little idea. But um, it wasn't until we got there and we realized the extent of the damage that went on in Hurricane Harvey uh, and that's when we really got to see Salvation Army in action. It was amazing. They are an incredible, incredible organization. I have never seen people that are so committed, so organized, and that so love the Lord. And they do everything they do is unto the Lord. So we worked um, about 15, well, let's see, about 12 to 14 hour days, something like that. We had to drive an hour. We stayed an hour away because there wasn't anywhere to um, stay that was in, in Victoria where we were assigned. So we had to drive an hour away to, to the hotel and then an hour back. So that kind of added to mm -hmm. our day. But uh, it was amazing. The, um, the first neighborhood that we were in, located in, was a very poor neighborhood. And it was so hard to see people who had little already to lose what they had and the conditions that they were living in were very very bad i mean so many trees just destroyed their homes and that type of thing we did um, two meals a day we would go out in our rapid response vehicle and we would serve food twice a day and the lord was so gracious for us to have so many miracles happen mm -hmm. We had the opportunity to pray with so many people to bring light and hope in a very, very dark situation. And what turns around is that it actually blessed us more than, mm -hmm. than them. So we had an amazing experience. We, in, we enjoyed it. And so um, that was in 2017. And then in 2018, when the hurricanes Florence hit North Carolina, <clears throat> Uh, there weren't many people that could go and so Linda and I were called um, uh, by the lead person of the Texas disaster group Alvin and he called and he asked us to be emotional and spiritual care people now I had never done that neither had Linda so we got kind of a crash course that they gave us as soon as we they flew us out to Charlotte and then we were assigned to New Bern, North Carolina. And uh, the rest of the Texas team went to Wilmington. And we went to New Bern as emotional and spiritual care people. And so we were split up. And we actually went on, we were assigned to a canteen. And we went to different areas. And I was really blessed to be in a very, very small community of just super fun, on fire 
people of God. I mean, they, they didn't, they, they, the community just amazingly came together. They lifted each other up. They were so excited that they were there. We had whole families coming to help us to serve the community. So they made our job much easier. And so I was working with just some tremendous people, and I got the opportunity to really be free to go and minister to people. And it just burned, you know, you just get such a fire in your heart uh, for the work, you know, to be able to do this and to help people. And so then when uh, I got home, I was home for nine or ten days, and then Michael hit. And uh, so I got called up again. There was nobody available <laughs> to go. <laughs> so Linda and her husband, David, who had never been on a disaster before, but he wanted to go, um, and I, the three of us, drove our rapid response vehicle um, to Louisiana first, and we met up with, oh, geez, there was um, 15 or 16 canteens that came from across Texas, all different towns. Salvation Army canteens, the rapid response vehicles, the great big canteens, and we all um, met up in Louisiana, and then we had this this whole cavalcade that just went from there to Florida, and we got to Pensacola, and Alvin uh, had to, he's our lead person, uh, decided to drive down into uh, the area where the, the hurricane hit the worst, and so he said he'd be gone for a few hours. Well, a two-hour drive turned into 12. Wow. He was gone 12 hours because it was so difficult for him to get down there because there were so many power lines down, there was so much damage that it was like a, an obstacle course to get there. And just to make it down to, uh, to see the extent of the damage um, down there, he came back and he was just ashen face. He said, I have never, you know, and he's been in disaster work for a long time, ever seen such destruction. Mm -hmm. So when we went down, um, so what we did is they, they had us all go to Sam's Club and a lot of the canteens already had supplies, mm -hmm. but um, our rapid response vehicle, we didn't. And so um, we went to Sam's Club and boy, we loaded up on Everything. Mm -hmm. I mean, every as much as we could cram into those canteens, we crammed in there because we knew that we were going to be the first ones in. And what a lot of people don't realize is that Salvation Army is always the first ones in. Mm -hmm. uh, when it came to 9-11, after the first tower hit, Salvation Army was there 30 minutes later, wow. serving water, coffee, being there for the first responders. Mm -hmm. That's what they do. Um, you know, their motto is doing the most good, and they, they really do and get out there and do that. So, so we knew that we were going to be the first ones in. And they had already made arrangements with a company that, that um, prepares food. It's like a, a barbecue-type company, and um, they had uh, made a contract with them. And so they set up a base of operations, and we all went down there, and they set up this base of operations, and then you watch them kick in. And it, watching it come together and just being part of it, even though it is very stressful because you, um, everybody's just kind of got to go with the flow. And so we got to go into um, 
uh, into the town. We drove in and we it took us probably a normal five minute drive to go across the bridge from our base of operations. Across the bridge, it was it took us 45, almost 50 minutes to go a five minute drive to get to, just to get in there. And so our job, because we were in a rapid response vehicle, which is smaller than the canteens, the canteens are really big. And so our job was to go into the neighborhoods and to let people know that we were there. And um, so we set up a canteen. One of the big canteens was on uh, one of the major roads. And so we, uh, so Linda and David and I just started driving through the neighborhoods and it was so hard to get mm -hmm. around. And we pulled, we got about three blocks in and there were so many trees down and, and people, just think of a whole neighborhood Think of your neighborhood that has trees, that literally everything was smashed. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was every house, every everything was damaged. There wasn't anything that wasn't hurt. Mm -hmm. I mean, nothing mm -hmm. in this town. And, you know, you, we were at a railroad crossing, and you couldn't, There, all the, the lights were smashed, and the, all of the power lines were down. And we drove up, and we saw this family, and it was so hot. Oh my gosh, it was hot. Mm -hmm. And these people are sitting outside their house. Of course, they don't have any power. They don't have water. They don't have mm -hmm. anything. And um, we pulled up, and this lady was sitting in a lawn chair with her family, and she comes running up to us. And she just ran into my arms. Oh. And she said, you're the first people that have come in three days oh. since wow. we've been here, and we don't dare leave our house because of the looters. Mm -hmm. There was so much looting going on. So we were able to pray with her. We gave her food and, you know, what we had off the canteen, snacks and, mm -hmm. and water and stuff. And we told her that we were going, there was food being um, served about three blocks away in the big canteen and to take turns, you know, mm -hmm. going down there and getting food. So we kept moving into the neighborhood and we found a lady who was... Uh, an elderly lady that was diabetic oh. and um, so we were able to give her some ice to keep her insulin um, and the neighbor watching the neighbors though how they took care of each other mm. and um, we they had us work at a school um, I don't know if people saw one of the little middle schools that had, <coughs> was totally totally destroyed I mean it was like it's hard to to tell people, it's hard to even see from the pictures unless you see it and experience it. I had been in two other hurricanes, but I had never seen destruction like this. Mm -hmm. It looked like bombs went off everywhere, literally. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, businesses and homes were blasted and, and um, huge trees were down and stuff. And this one middle school was, there was only, the gymnasium was the only thing that was left standing. Otherwise, everything was destroyed. All of the outbuildings, everything. The, the um, fences that went around it were twisted. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just like the, the sheet metal that would come off of uh, the roofs and stuff was like toilet paper wow. twisted around things. And we had to be so careful driving because of the down power lines. I mean, it was like moving all over. Well, then they had... One of the most difficult things, of course, is that when you're first people in, they have to try to find a place for you to stay. Mm 
and because they they had planned to put us up in a hotel, but the hotel was destroyed. Oh, wow. The one that they were going to put us up in. So then they have to revamp and try to, okay, now what are we going to do with our people? Well, they had a Salvation Army church um, that they had us go to, but it had no power, no water, mm. no running water, <laughs> no toilets, nothing. Wow. But it was a roof over your head. Okay, so they brought us cots. We had cots. They brought us snacks and bottled water and, and that type of thing. And we learned how to bathe in a bucket. And, <laughs> and it was so hot. It was, you know, you would not only come back hot and tired from, from working all day, but we were washing our hair in the sink <laughs> and uh, trying to do what we could. But, you know, that's part of the disaster work. We knew that when you're first wave going in, you're going to run into a lot more difficulty. Mm -hmm. But fortunately, we brought our little lanterns. We had, um, we had kind of prepared in advance because I had learned from the, the first two hurricanes that I needed to bring more, more supplies along. So um, then, and then again, the days are, are really, really long, but they're, mm -hmm. uh, they're so rewarding. People were amazing. They moved us from uh, up to a place called Fountain, and we were parked in a dollar store parking lot. And so people knew that we were there, and they would kind of come from all over. And so there was a man that came up to the truck, and I said, "How can I get you something to eat?" "Oh no, I'm fine, I'm fine." And and I said, "No, you're not. You're not fine." I said, "Can I pray with you?" I said, "If you won't take a meal, can I at least pray over you?" And he, he looked at me, and and then he just started to bawl. I mean, his whole face just. He just cried, and he cried for about five minutes, and he just it sobbed, and I said, okay, I said, now I'm, let's go get you some food, and why don't you take it home with you? I said, we're going to be here every day, you know, come back again, so he left. He came the next day, and he had, his whole, his countenance was completely different, completely different. And he said, I had to come over and talk to you, not only just to get a meal, he said, but I wanted to tell you that you saved my life. Wow. Because I was at the end of my rope. He said, I really felt like I had no hope. And he said, when you prayed over me, I felt something, that something happened. And then all of a sudden, the hope started to build in me that, yes, God can take care of things. He can help me through this. And so... There's so many things. I have so many stories, and so many of them are like that. And it was an incredible experience. We were able to um, get everything all set up and, and ready for the next wave that came in, and that's when, when Cindy and Susan came in on, on the second group. And I know they have wonderful stories, too, so I will turn it over to Susan. Cindy, mm -hmm. is it? Yeah. Pictures? Are you next? Do you have any questions? Oh, yeah, anybody have any questions? I, I do. Did, yeah. how, you said the school was completely destroyed. Yes. Were children in it? No. No, okay. Praise God, Praise God for that. No, but they had to move the kids um, 
um, many of them, what I found interesting is that because of um, they knew that there was so much damage and they could only move so many children, they many of them, they just forego the whole year. They just gave them credit for the year. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. They didn't get to go to school. Yeah, they didn't so, get to go to school. Were their lives lost or how many lives? Uh, well, at Mexico Beach, people, this wasn't on the news, and a lot of people don't realize <laughs> what happened. Mexico Beach was flattened. I mean, it was a community that literally everything was destroyed. And there was about 230 people, something like that, that refused to leave. Everybody else left, but the 230 people that were there um, uh, decided to stay, and most of them lost their lives, but that wasn't really set on the news. When we went there, they, we sent a canteen down to Mexico Beach right away, and um, the first responders were down there, and they had cadaver dogs, and um, they were trying to find people that were trapped, and then, you know, bodies, and that type of thing, and they were starving themselves. They didn't, they had just water and snacks, but they couldn't leave. Hmm. They can't leave until the last person is accounted for. So when we, when Salvation Army showed up with the canteen, they were absolutely ecstatic because they had food. They had someone that could bring them a hot meal and just to, to cry with them mm -hmm. and to pray with them because I can't imagine that kind of work that you're going through and trying to find people. Yeah, there were a lot more people that lost their life in Michael than was what we reported on the news. Mm -hmm. We knew that for sure. And they said it was going to take a minimum of two years just to get the infrastructure back mm -hmm. in Mexico Beach. Where is Mexico Beach? It's, um, it's not far. About 50 ocean. miles from Panama City. It's, all it's on south of Panama City. Yeah. On, the, on the ocean. Yeah. You spoke about the, uh, the town that had a lot of Christians in it. Was there mm -hmm. a big difference in the hope and the outcome yeah. of the people you met who were Christians and those who were non-Christians? Huge. Huge. The people that are Christians and know the Lord, they have hope. And they know that, you know, their, their hope is not in the things of this world. The hope is in the Lord. <clears throat> and he strengthened them. In fact, they energized me in such a way. I mean, I met some powerful <coughs> prayer warriors. And women that were, I still communicate with them mm -hmm. because they, they are just amazing. And it was such, for me, it was like almost like the best deal in the world. I got the best assignment, <laughs> I thought, because I got to go and see these people every day. And it was a community that was primarily African-American, uh, maybe about 10% white. Uh, but again... You, we had a, a guy who came up to me that said, um, he said, I was here a couple of days ago and I got food. And he said, when I saw, it said Salvation Army, and I saw that you had a cross on, I knew you were a Christian mm -hmm. and that you could pray for me. And he said, when you prayed for me, and you prayed specifically for me and for my wife, he said, I went home and I haven't been able to stop thinking about it. I had to come back and tell you. Thank Aww. you. And... You know, so it's just, yeah, it is a big difference <clears throat> when you're in a community of people that know the Lord. That is definitely good.
like Deb said, it, I got blessed more than anybody. Mm -hmm. And that's what happens when you go on a mission trip. Mm -hmm. You get blessed. Wow. So um, she said she was on the best crew, but I have to say we were <laughs> because seriously, they went in first. They had to set it up. They had to all the danger, you know, most of the danger was under control by the time we got there. Mm. And we got to where we were going a lot faster. Mm. So we got to reach more people and pray with more people. So, but, you know, if they hadn't went and set it up, you know, they had to pave the way. So she had a lot harder than she's saying she had it. But <laughs> anyway, um, the first thing I wanted to say about the Salvation Army is, they are the first ones there, like she said, and they, mm -hmm. they uh, are Christian, and part of them, part of their ministry is praying for people. So uh, a lot of the other ministries, unless they are just specifically God ministries, they just feed <coughs> people. That's what they're there for, to feed them and give them things for their house to put on top of their roofs and so the Salvation Army, to me, is, is the best because everyone that I know that's in the Salvation Army is a Christian. They're in church, and they're living for the Lord. So it makes the trip a lot more pleasant when you're dealing with like-minded people. And that even though I, you know, I just got thrown into it at the last minute and didn't even have my, wasn't prepared, God worked it out, and I'll share that. But the first thing I wanted to talk about was some of the people that I actually got to minister with. <clears throat> so I want to share a few stories with you. Um, the first little boy I remembered when we pulled up and set up the canteen, this little boy named Kevin and his mother walked up. Kevin was about maybe six or seven and very overweight. I mean, he was obese but he was just so cute and he had a turkey leg in his hand and we were on a we were very blessed that we were on the end of the street that's another thing by the time we got there the looting and stuff was down to a law and they had the uh, uh, army not the active what is the reserves they were out and about everywhere and we had one of the trucks with the men in it parked right across the street from us. And FEMA was like down the street from us. And then the churches were set up. So we had a whole block and it was in a bad area, but it was all set up mm -hmm. to minister so that people could get clothing and whatever they needed. So we had a lot of traffic coming through here. And so we weren't, you know, I didn't feel like something was going to happen to me. I mean, I was totally okay but this little boy had gotten this turkey leg from down the street there was a church that had set up and they were feeding too <clears throat> so he walks up with his mother and he, I mean he's just eating it really fast and like he's starving you know and he's got barbecue on it and it's all over his face I just had to laugh and, and the mother was just kind of looking down she wasn't really you know, she was struggling. She mm -hmm. was trying to keep it together for the for the family. Mm -hmm. And so I grabbed some napkins and 
came to her and she was wiping his face off and I looked at her and I said, this was like one of the first people that I walked up to to ask if I could pray for him. And I asked her, I said, can I pray for you? And she said, I'm all right. Mm. <laughs> and I thought, no, you're not. But I just looked at her and the Lord told me, he dropped it in my spirit. He said, pray for the little boy first and then the mother will open up. Mm. So I looked at Kevin and I said, Kevin, do you need any prayer? He goes, yes, would you please pray for my brother? He's being mean to me. <laughs> so I said, sure, we can pray for your little brother. So, you know, I led him in a prayer, and, and we prayed that his brother would settle down. And when we got through praying, this little boy looked up at me, and he goes, do you need a hug? <laughs> I said, I sure do. Do you need one? He goes, yes. And I said, okay. And he just grabbed me and hugged me as hard as he could. And that, that was just such a blessing to me. And I told him, I said, I want you to go home and hug your little brothers. I want you to hug everybody you see because it makes you happy when you hug people. It releases endorphins, but I don't know if he understood that part. <laughs> anyway, I said, you know, we have food. You can get something to eat. Well, after they got their plates, I looked at his mother and I said, can I pray for you now? She said, yeah. Uh -huh. So through that, I found out that she had four children at home. She was a single mother. They were living in an apartment down the, at the end of that street, and that apartment was being condemned. Mm -hmm. So she was just beside herself and trying to hold it together for the kids. Now, one thing I noticed... When we were there, I don't know if you noticed that, Susan, but everybody we talked to, everybody I talked to was in the tornado. I meant the hurricane itself. Wow. They were there when it hit. Mm -hmm. And I, I noticed that most of the people, she probably saw a lot of people in shock mm -hmm. when she went because she was first. Mm -hmm. And their stages, I learned later. But most of the people were coming out of the shock, but they were still traumatized because mm -hmm. everything around them was out of order. Of Even the animals, I noticed. <clears throat> you know, the, the fish, were, of course, there was dead fish coming up on the shore. These, we were watching these squirrels just going up and down this broken tree, and, and they, they didn't know where their nest was. They were lost. Mm -hmm. I mean, dogs were walking around. They didn't know where they, you know, they were probably blown clear across town or whatever. It was just the whole ecosystem, I noticed. And the bees were really bad. Mm -hmm. yeah, they lost their nests. Uh-huh. Well, they'd lost all their nests. They, their hives were gone. They were confused, you know. And I did learn real quick from this sweet little girl that came up that if, if we didn't, you know, go nuts and do this, that they wouldn't bite. Some people got bit, but... I just started doing this and shooing mm -hmm. them back, and I never, they never bothered me after that. But anyway, so I'm getting Rabbit off track trail. here. Rabbit trail. <laughs> getting back. But the whole system was out of whack. Mm -hmm. So anyway, this lady's family was, you know, they were out of a place to live, basically, and they were supposed to come in and condemn them. And I said, you need to stay there until the owner of that building comes up and 
find you a place to live because she'd already paid her rent. And I said, they have to find you a place to live. Mm -hmm. They can't just tell you to leave. So she got her food for her family, and when they left, they had a smile on their face. Mm -hmm. So they had hope in their heart, and that's what I wanted to leave with them. Mm -hmm. So that was one of the people that I, I remember praying for, that little boy, because he was so special. Then there was another lady that came from the apartments, and she was just, at first I thought she was on drugs, because she was just all over the place. I mean, she was just, she was in shocks, what it was. And her husband had gone to work, and somehow he got word to her that he'd gotten bit by something, or maybe he got bitten at the house. I couldn't hardly understand her, but... He'd gotten bit by something, and it had gotten worse, and they were taking him to the hospital. And she was just beside herself because she didn't know which hospital he was in, you know, where he was, and she was determined she was going to go find him. She was trying to hitchhike. Oh. And thank God no one had picked her up yet. So, you know, we were able to give her some food, and I, she settled down, and I talked to her, and I convinced her to go back to her apartment and wait for her husband to come to her, not go hitchhiking, because you don't know where you're, you know, all these places, and there's vagrant people everywhere, and anyway, so she calmed down before she left, and I prayed with her, and she went back to her house. That's just some of the things that these people were dealing with. It's just, you know, they didn't have, like she said, water to drink. They didn't at, at that point, they had food and water coming in when we got there, but they had a lot to deal with emotionally. You know, everything was upside down, and basically nothing was open much when we first got there. Nothing was open. Now, before I left, there was a few gas stations and, and the Cracker Barrel. We got to go to the Cracker Barrel. <laughs> I think they had eight things on their menu, but we got to go there. So anyway, um, we prayed with them and hopefully gave them, I know we gave them hope, but after our group was there for three or four days, there was this young girl that came up to our um, canteen and, and she asked if she could help. Well, <clears throat> we were glad to have her. I, I... I just said, sure, you know, they, everybody said, sure, put the gloves on. Well, we found out that she was part of a group of kids, of teenagers, from another neighboring town, and their school was closed down because they got hit too. Mm -hmm. So they came as a group, church group to minister to people. And they had been on that street ministering, and they were staying in the floor <coughs> of the church down the street. So she... We got to minister and be with her for three days. Her name was Faith, and I called her an angel. But because she came and helped feed, we had probably 550, 600 people to feed that day, every day, and it was growing by the day. Mm -hmm. She stayed with us three days, and I was able to not only feed, but I could go and minister to people. So. God gave me the freedom to get out and pray for people while I was there, even though that wasn't my main mm -hmm. job. He knew that was my heart. Mm -hmm. So after three days, they brought in a great big truck that would feed about 1,500 people because we couldn't feed that many. 
to take over, and they sent us to Fountain, the same place that Deb and Linda had gone. And I found out later that the we spoke to the same man, and I wanted to share about a couple of people that I got to pray with there, and one of them was the man that Linda had already spoken to. And she led him to the Lord. And this this man that she led ended up leading to the Lord came up for food, and he was telling us about his situation. And at this point, he'd already been led to the Lord, and he was excited, and he was sharing his story with everyone. Mm -hmm. But he, he said, let me share my story. And I said, that's what we're here for, to listen and pray. So he said that he was in his house, and he was standing in the living room, and he, this man was not a Christian at this time. He was standing in his living room, and something told him to move. That's how he put it. Something told me to move. I said, oh, I know who that was. But he goes, okay. So I moved into the dining room, and as soon as I moved over into the dining room, a tree fell into my living room right where I was standing. Oh, wow. And that's, that helped bring him to the Lord. <laughs> and then Linda, Linda was able to minister to that same gentleman. And he was sharing that story with everyone that would listen. So that was a praise report in itself. But we went out to Fountain, and she was asking if there was a difference between the people in the city and the people in the country. They were a community. Whether they were churched or whether they weren't churched, they were a community because it was small and close-knit like a church. And you could see they had more hope, mm -hmm. and they were all helping each other, mm -hmm. which made our job easier, you know, because they were reaching out to each other. And when we finished there, the community took over. Mm -hmm. And in town, it was like... Every man for himself. Oh. You know, it was just a different atmosphere altogether. Mm -hmm. Most of those people were just, you know, they didn't have a group of people to help them. They were just one person, and they were all trying to help themselves. Whereas this group was like being in a church. They were all out to help each other. So we parked in that same parking lot at the dollar store. <laughs> and uh, I met... We met right away the lady that was managing the store. Her name was Jennifer, and everybody called her Jen. So I told the gentleman that I was working with, I said, I, I really feel like I, want, I need to pray for her. And he said, well, go ahead. So she came outside to smoke a cigarette, and I waited for her to finish, and then I went up to her, and I said, do you mind if I pray with you? And she said, oh, no, please do. And then she shared with me that she had just been to the doctor and that they reported, gave her a bad report, and they said she had nodules in her lung and that her spleen had a dark spot on it and that she had to go back that Friday. And... You know, I knew, I was like, you shouldn't be smoking, but when you're in that, if you've ever smoked, and I have, it's not the time to say anything about the cigarettes. That's, you know, it's the worst time. So I just said, you know, I started praying with her, 
And I just felt like God said, she's going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, do I dare say this to this woman, you know. But I felt it really strong in my spirit. I said, Jennifer, I said, you know you need to quit smoking. She goes, I know. I said, I know this is a hard time. I said, but I really felt like God was telling me that you're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. And she was a Christian. So she just said, I receive it. And she walked away. And uh, the week went on. And I mean, we prayed and we fell. The man I was with was really good. I was blessed with this team because he had been before many times and he was a Salvation Army person. He was a Salvationist. That means he belonged to the Salvation Army. He attended. Yeah, he attended their church. He wasn't an officer because he was retired Navy and he couldn't, you know, get paid. So he didn't join, but he, he volunteered and he went to their church. And he knew a lot of information, so he graciously taught me a lot in a little bit of time. And every day he would tell me, we need to sit down and just talk about what happened today. Or we would go inside the store and just walk around and kind of let everything out. So that at the end of the week, two weeks, we weren't just way down, you know, we released it every day, and that was, that was a really smart thing he, he did to help me, but at the end of this week, I was going to share, Jennifer came back outside, and came to the truck to get meals for her people, and she had on a pair of sunglasses, and I thought, that's strange, she never comes around with sunglasses on, and I could tell by her face, her mouth was quivering, and I thought, oh no, a bad report. No, I don't receive that. God <laughs> told me she was going to be okay. So she walks up and she said, I, I know why she had the glasses on. She's like me. She doesn't like to cry in front of people. She said, I just came out to tell you I just got back from the doctor's office. The nodules are gone. They, they don't know what happened, but they're not there anymore, and nothing's on my spleen. God, God took care of you. I said, now you need to quit smoking. She goes, I know. <laughs> but that was a, the, the best praise report I had while I was there. <clears throat> and it was just a lot of people like that. I, I can't name everybody that was there. I, it would be we'd be here all day, but that's what I got from that, and it blessed me more than it blessed them, you know, or as much as it blessed them, I got blessed. So I just felt like God really helped me out because, you know, I went. Mm -hmm. Now I wasn't sure about going at first, <laughs> and. I was, I wanted to go, my heart wanted to go, but my mind was telling me, you know, it's going to be a hardship. It's two weeks. You know, who's going to cook meals for your family? Who's going to do this? And how are you going to do that? And all the things that go through your mind. And I, I have to admit, you know, I, I had to go through that. And then I stopped and I said, no, I'm just going to pray. I'm going to release this. 
if it's my time to go, God's going to open the door. Well, he did immediately. <laughs> as soon as Deb and them called and said, we need you to go, we don't have people. I hadn't even taken all of my classes. I'd only taken one or two classes. I still had classes to take. They said, don't worry. They set me up with this lady named Carol the next day. This was on a Friday. Saturday, they set me up with Carol. I went over and took the test at her house because my computer's not online. And she ended up being the driver for the, for the truck, for our truck in Granbury. And uh, so I went over there and took the test. In the meantime, I, I said, well, I've got to petition James. I've got to ask his permission because he's my head. So this will be it. You know, if I'm supposed to go, he'll let me go. And if I'm not, I won't. So I went in and I told him what was going on. And I had told him a few days before that when I talked to Deb that they may need some more people to go and they didn't have a lot of people and they needed me. And at first he was hesitant and he goes, well, I don't know if I, I, don't know if I want you to go. And I said, why? And he goes, the looting. You know, I told mm -hmm. him what happened to her. And I, there's looters, there's, mm -hmm. you know. And he goes, three women on a truck by themselves. <laughs> he was just concerned. Mm -hmm. And he was in the police department for 26 years as a detective. Mm -hmm. So he's seen a lot and mm -hmm. it makes him think that way anyway. So he had concerns about me going and being with three women in a truck out in the middle of God knows where. So I said, well, just pray about it, and we'll get back together tomorrow or the next day, and you can, and, and we'll, you know, talk some more, and you can tell me yes or no. Because he knew he'd better go to God if God was asking me to go. So... In the meantime, I just thought, well, I need to get everything done that I can. So I just started preparing and getting my house in order and paying my bills. And then the next day, I said, I'm going to go ahead and take this test. I'm going to need it later if I don't need it now. <clears throat> so I went over there, and she was really sweet and helped me pet to take the test and get through that. Before I even left her house, she had sent the test to the main office in Dallas to the to the man, his name was Clay, at the Salvation Army. He called back before I left her house and said, okay, we've got her badge made, she's passed her test, and her clearance came through. Her clearance came through, and I was like, okay, it sounds like I'm supposed to go, but I still hadn't got permission from my husband. <clears throat> so I went back that night and I prayed about it, and the next morning, I got up and I talked to James before I left for church, and I said, well, what do you think? He's, I didn't even say anything else about what was going on, and he said, he, I know he heard from the Lord, and he said, you just go, and, and when you get back, you'll, we'll see. Because I told him, I said, if I can just go this one time, because it was two <laughs> weeks, you know, if I can just go this one time, the next time... I will just take jobs locally because they do have stuff locally you can do too. But I, I want to do this if you'll let me. And he goes, no, I just want you to go. When you get back, we'll see. So I'm glad he said that because I would have made a promise that I didn't want to keep by the time <laughs> I got back <laughs> because by the time I got back, I was so blessed and I so full 
that I didn't want to not go again. I wanted to go again. Mm -hmm. So wow. I'm glad that he left that open, and that was God. Mm -hmm. So I went to church Sunday morning. I got halfway through church, and I got the phone call from Deb and Linda. Well, you're going. <laughs> you leave tomorrow morning with Susan and Carol. And I went, okay. <laughs> so that's how fast it happened. Wow. And by the time we got there the next day, they we got off the plane. They drove us to the site. We got out of the truck or out of the car, and they were having a group meeting all of a sudden when we got there and got out. Well, Deb and them were still there, and we were like, all right, they're still here. We can ask all these questions. Well, my concerns were different than James's concerns. I knew that we'd be okay and we'd be safe. But I was concerned about the weather because we both get overheated, Susan and I, real easy. And she said it was very hot and humid the week she went. Well, she called that day and she said, guess what? The weather's changing. It's going to drop to the 70s and it's going to be cool. <laughs> Praise God. He took care of my needs. I just put them out there. I said, God, I'm concerned about the weather. I'm concerned about sleeping on a cot for two weeks. Mm -hmm. And Deb said, bring your, get your uh, mattress. ma air mattresses. You mm -hmm. can put them on top of your sleep on top of your cot and I was like oh another answered prayer because we were flying and we you know they were paying for the weight so we could bring as much as we needed so I was like oh thank you Jesus so it was like every concern that I oh and I was concerned about the meals for my family because I do the meals my granddaughter I told her I said I want to go but I said I don't know how I, I can't prepare enough meals for you know, I, I can prepare James a few meals for the week, but not for two weeks. She said, make out a grocery list. I said, you pick out what you want to cook, and I'll go to the grocery store. And she cooked the meals for me, her first time in the kitchen. So that was a God thing. He needed, He wanted her to step up to the plate, so he used that situation to get her up and running, too. So that was a blessing. And then when we got there, Linda, the lady that was over the thing came up to me and she was talking to everybody and she looked at me and she said, because I was the newbie, she said, the best thing I can, best advice I can give you right now is to be flexible. I said, okay. Well, that was a God word because we got in the group. They started assigning and immediately I was pulled away from the crew, from the group. Mm -hmm. And they were in a group and I was put over here with the group. And at first, I panicked, you know, I was like, oh my gosh, I'm leaving my friends. And then she said, it's going to be okay, it's a good thing. I said, yeah, I'm going to be okay, I want to be flexible. <coughs> well, as it turned out, I got in the truck with two guys. I said, oh, this is my husband, he prayed for this. <laughs> he didn't want me to go with three women out by myself, so I got two men in this truck. One of them was a retired teacher, and the other one a principal, and the other one was a, the Navy, retired Navy guy that was a salvationist. But God knew what he was doing because I learned so much from those people and just had such an experience. And they immediately, they wanted 
to feed people. That was their main goal. And Deb stuck her head in the wind and she goes, you know she's a prayer warrior. <laughs> and I, they said, oh good, okay, you're the spiritual caregiver. <laughs> and I was like, thank you, Lord, because that was my, my wish when I went. Let me, let me do some praying. I know I have to feed people, but please let me pray. <laughs> and I, I prayed more than I fed. So it was a blessing, and I'll go back. I'll go wherever God leads me from now on with no questions asked. My situation is a little different from theirs. Um, I, oh, I don't know, whenever Katrina happened, 12 years ago, I had gone with my husband to work the Katrina. And the Lord knows in my personality, um, or my experience, I have a really hard time um, setting under a real, mean, cantankerous, bully, head authority figure. The Lord knew that about me, and so, of course, when we go there, there's this little banny rooster that's over <laughs> our group, and he was ornery all week long, ornery. And I was, I was behaving myself. Well, the last day, it was cold, it was rainy. We had run out of propane. Stephen had to go get propane, and... Um, there was only three of us left in our group, and I said, okay, let's let's take a vote. How many say we go through Kentucky Fried Chicken? All three of us. Okay, good. So we went to Kentucky Fried Chicken. He was mad because he wanted us to cook in the compound. And I went and got permission that we could set up in the church because it's raining and it's cold. And he said, no, you're not sitting in that church. And I said, yeah, 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 they let us. For I was so excited. No. Well, long story short... Uh, he was an ex-Marine, and I told him, I said, you touch that table, I will set on you. <laughs> and I'm coming after him, and my husband's grabbing me, pulling me back. Well, the next day, of course, I repented, and I asked God to give me a second chance, give me a second chance. Well, we moved to Granbury, and I had a, you know, I'm part of women's Bible studies, I'm part of women's fellowships, I'm just part of a lot of things, but... Nothing seemed like it was real, um, oh, beneficial, service, servant type of things, yeah. So, a friend of mine, we went to a card game, oops, <laughs> and one of the ladies said, we're starting up Salvation Army again next September, would you like to join us? And I thought, wow, okay, so I gave her my name. And I said in my heart, I said, if she calls me next September, this is May. If she calls me next September, Lord, I'll know it's you. <clears throat> so, because you know everybody takes your number and they lose it. Right. <clears throat> Come August, I get this phone call. Susan, would you like to join Salvation Army? And I said, yeah, 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 yeah. So this was my second chance. This, this was going to be my second chance. God was going to. So Deb and I, she joined me the second year. And right away, we went to Katrina. Now, part, part of it, we had to take tests. I mean, uh, Harvey. We had to take tests. Now, I've been out of school for, you know, 100 years. And so I'm, and I'm having to take these tests on computers. And it was, it was really grueling. I'm just like, Jesus' name. And, and, you know, the weather would kick up, and there'd go my computer. No, God, they're timed. And I passed. I, I, I never go on Facebook to say, I went on Facebook and said, I passed. I got my badge. So anywho, anywho, um, we went to Harvey together, and uh, saw young mom, again, bad choices, loser job, and we prayed for her, 
and we just said, God's going to give you favor. And we go back to the end of the week, and she's all excited, totally different girl. He gave me another chance, and I got my job back. And we're just all, just one thing after another, the Lord blessed. There was a huge semi-truck pulls into the, uh, it was the funniest thing. He just does a U-turn, comes into the parking lot, and he gets down. And Deb, and Deb goes over to pray for him. She really felt, and she brought him food, and he started crying, and he said, uh, I am so jacked up on drugs, he said, that I, I probably would have killed myself. He said, I really needed prayer. And so just things like that, God bringing in another semi full of food and such, and nobody would take their stuff if you could believe it. And I directed them to our, our uh, warehouse, just one after another. But um, one of the head people had told me, stop praying for people, Susan, you're holding up the line. Oh. <laughs> oh, oh, that was heartbreaking, holding up the line. No, the line was so long, I'm just praying as we're going down the line. And immediately it just came in to me, and I'm like, what? Nope. This is my second chance. This is my oh. second chance. I didn't pray. I didn't pray for anybody after that. I, I wasn't happy about it. I don't think I was a good soldier, but I was obedient. Okay, thanks, God. And um, then the next year, uh, we got our FEMA. That was good. <clears throat> That oh, was grueling. That was grueling. We they took those the tests. tests I've ever taken. Ever. Oh, oh my gosh. goodness. And we, we passed those. That, en that enables us to go to work with the federal government. So be impressed. <clears throat> we are. <laughs> <laughs> wow. awesome. But, uh, yeah. And one thing I do want to say, we are not here soliciting for the Salvation Army. Uh, the Salvation Army gets to stand on its own. And the thing that I was totally impressed with was every trip we've gone on, they've paid our way, they paid our hotel. Now, we elected to feed ourselves because the cost was just like, oh, my God, this is awful. These people are paying for everything, every food on that truck, all the gas, everything the Salvation Army pays for. I don't know if you realize that. That, to me, is amazing. They don't ask for donations from people. People would come up and give us money. And we were so excited. We were like, ka we yes. Were, we were money makers. We, we were the money makers. And they told us, this one group of women said, oh, you're not supposed to take money. You know, this is all charitable. And we're like, well, how do you turn away somebody's $100 check when he wants to give? He saw us out there all week long feeding people, feeding people. I'm not kidding. Fifteen to 1,600 people a day that we would feed. So... I, I was just totally impressed uh, with the way that they handle things, the way that they're honorable. Uh, we do not proselyte. I know somebody was a little upset about that. And I said, that's not our job. Our job is to feed and care and pray. Mm -hmm. And if they want to give their hearts to God, all right, mm -hmm. that's exciting too. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I'm just overwhelmed, really overwhelmed <clears throat> with the duties of the Salvation Army and their generosity uh, and how they care for people. Uh, when Cindy and I went to Michael, uh, they flew us in, picked us up, dropped us off by this time. And again, uh, when Deb was called up first, I got my feelings hurt. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? How come she gets to go and I don't? I was just really crushed. Well, I've shared the testimony. The Lord spoke to me and said, because we had a, a closing, a loan closing. And I would have gone, Stephen would have let me, because we were totally forgetting uh, that loan was going to come due. We would have lost $80,000 had I gone on that trip, because I wouldn't have been back in time to sign the loan. Plus, 
you know, Deb and her hardship, she looks adorable in hats. <laughs> she looks cute in hats. You know, we didn't have curling irons, you know, barely get to shampoo. She looks adorable. I look doofus with hats, you know. And so I, I'm just, oh, God, in Jesus' name. Well, they got us there. We were in a big FEMA camp. I mean, what was it? Two, 3,000 people were there. In tents, yeah. In tents. Big, big old circus tents. It was FEMA. It was the police. It was the Army, the military. Military. It was Red Cross. Wow. Oh, we won't speak of them, but... There was a bunch. Yeah. So, anyway, they got us in there. What was crazier than crazy was here. She was talking about the heat. It was hot and hot. We froze to death. We literally froze. We were in sleeping bags, coats, the whole nine yards freezing. It was just the funniest thing. And then, of course, you would have to trek across. And I, I have to admit, I'm a little vain. You know, I don't want people to see me without makeup. And uh, I, yeah. But here you are, <laughs> trekking across God knows how long to get over there to go to the bathroom. And then there are porta-potties. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> then you have to go into the showers, you know, and there's no doors. Oh. You know? <laughs> and you come back, and you blow dry your hair. There's no curling irons. And, of course, I wore my hats. You probably saw the picture of us in hats, you know. Um, the food was outstanding, but it was full of cheese. Absolutely full of cheese. I think that's probably what caused my sickness. <laughs> they had cheese in the potatoes, cheese in the eggs, cheese in the oh, in the grits, cheese in everything. Well, at least you got me. That's true. That that's true. We we did get get blessed with that. But uh, my case, of course, I was separated uh, from Cindy, and I again was told I except at night. We well, except now. at night, yeah, we got to come back. But during the day, as we're working, I'm on a on a truck with a lady who uh, um, is it's not spirit filled, <laughs> and she is uh, she believes everybody's going to be saved. And so and then I'm I'm like, keep your mouth shut, keep your mouth shut, keep your mouth shut. You know, we're here to work, we're here to be blessed, and we did. We fed people, and again, most of them were coming, going. Uh, we haven't had food in days. And we haven't had water in days. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Wow. And uh, and I, we had pork every day. <laughs> pork every day. Yeah. And so we knew we knew when it was time for us to go home. And they came by, going, "What do you have to eat today?" <laughs> so I was like, "All right, they're they're getting full. They're sick of pulled pork, pulled pork." But um, there were people that had come from other states to work. They had no work. Uh, Alabama, Georgia, people there had no work, they were coming. And this one man was really sad about the fact that his father was dying and he couldn't go back to be with him. And so we prayed over him and asked, you know, God extend his day so that his son could go back and, and be with his dad. Um, there were just real heartbreaking stories like they all shared with you. Um, nothing. This, this one woman, she was so sweet, she just said, I prayed, do we need a question? Oh, good. Thank you, Jesus. Yeah, a lady had just put in her yard, and she was so stoked and so excited, and and uh, Michael came through and messed it all up for her. It was kind of, I mean, just stories oh. after stories, and and uh, I, I just, just remodeled my house, and a tree came through. And we drove down the one street where we were staying, and... and um, of course, I scared the lady to death as we're driving. I went, Lord, 
Jesus. It was just out of me. You just couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe it. It was just one house after another. Just trees, 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 trees. And it has convinced me. Do not build your house in a forest. <laughs> so help me God, there'll be a wind come through and they're going free. Don't build in a forest. I mean, this was awful. But the other thing that just just uh, brought, brought me up short was the fact that there were no banks. No banks were open. Hardly any gas stations were open, and if they were, it only took cash. Well, think about it. Most of us do not live on cash. Most of us live on credit cards or debit cards. Well, they can't take your debit or your credit because the electricity was out. You couldn't go to the bank to get cash because the banks were all closed. It was an, all the restaurants were out. It was just amazing. It was amazing how when you think about it, a war-torn country, there are some people in Bosnia and Romania, people like that who live like that all the time. Mm. Yeah. I mean, we are so blessed. It's beyond how blessed we are. The dollar store, they would use flashlights and take people through the store so they could find stuff. Wow. And they had a generator that kept their cash register going, so they were able to pay for oh, it. Wow. But you couldn't see anything in the oh. store without the lantern or whatever. But, oh, my yeah. God. They would take uh, one person at a time. Wow. Wow. So it's pretty amazing when you think about it, how much we rely on just... Yeah. Just everyday Definitely. things. like, And if you live where your pump is generated by electricity, mm -hmm. then that means you have no water. You have mm -hmm. no flushing. You have um, nothing. I mean, we, I think we were pretty blessed. We got to take showers and, you know, even though for some odd reason, this thing is off, right? For sure. <laughs> no, it's going. It's going. Oh, it is? I pushed something and it kept oh. going. He can edit it out. You want me to? Yeah, he'll okay. edit it. Well, for some reason, I had to go. I'm getting up four or five times in the night, and that meant you had to walk from here to probably the parking lot to get to the porta potties. Oh, oh, my oh it was awful, and I'm holding it running. <laughs> Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> I, I know. So, at the end of the week, they finally brought them up closer to us. But um, it, it was it was, uh, it was a harder, this was a harder um, assignment. When we went to Harvey, we were in a hotel. And we had to drive an hour and a half to get there, an hour to get there. And we got in the hotel and, and promptly fell asleep. Never in my life have I fallen asleep at 8 o'clock. Where's Lois? Uh, but no, it, it was hard. But uh, again, like they both have said, um, the ministry and being a part of something that's bigger than you, you know, that you, you get to help out and, and, uh, and see people's needs getting met and people coming by and, and so excited. Thank you, thank you, thank you for being here. Thank you, thank you. And you almost feel guilty. I did. I don't know about them. I felt guilty taking the thanks because mm. it wasn't us. It was the Salvation Army setting this all up that we got to be and take a part of mm. and um, and be blessed to be part of a, a, an organization that is honorable and has integrity and, and they don't cheat the people. They don't ask the people for money. That mm -hmm. was great. You know, there's other organizations that take money and, mm -hmm. and cheat people and yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, how do you, you just go, how do you donate money to the Red Cross? No, not the Red Cross. Not the Red Cross, Patches. Salvation Army. Repeat after me. Salvation Army. 
Christmas, Christmas time, we do the bell. Uh, you can go online and, and do on their site. Uh, if you donate, if you donate to the Granbury cause, all of the money stays in Granbury. I don't know if you know that. Wow. And they provide um, Hood County. I'm sorry, Hood County. They provide. Um, Emergency, emergency assistance. They provide. Now we're starting to go into the GAP program, which is going to be really exciting. Lois and Teresa are yes. part of that. Mm -hmm. And again, we're not you know soliciting, but it's uh, the GAP program. And I don't know if you know this. I didn't know this. Children that are in the foster care system, when they turn eighteen, they're out. Yes. Yes. Out of the system. We've witnessed that. They're out of the they're system. Out. People. That means they have no house. Yeah. They have no monies. They have nothing. They're out in the streets. Statistics of foster children wow. is within a couple of years, they're either pregnant That's or in truth. prison. That's truth. And that pregnant mom, that pregnant mom is now single with a child who's probably going to go into foster care. Mm -hmm. it, it's sad. So what we're trying to implement, other people have, other organizations mm -hmm. have tried it. Um, we're going to go alongside mm -hmm junior high foster kids and begin to mentor them and show them that there are state grants you can get to go to college, help them out with all the monies that you can make available to you. Some of these kids don't even know what's available to them because, oh, I don't know, foster care isn't necessarily your mom and dad, so they don't necessarily watch out for your future. They're just watching out for your now. And then yeah. when they get to be fostering out, then they help them. They help them... Uh, do college, go to college, help them with a car. They speak to them at least once a month. You know, encourage them. You can do it. You can do it. The stories are, are awesome. How many of these kids go ahead and graduate and make something of their lives as opposed to not? We, um, yes, I'm sorry, you're raising your hand. Um, like you were talking about foster care. I was in foster care. And as soon as I turned... I think I was almost 18 after my 11th grade I got kicked out oh, three months before I turned 18. Well they were able to, the Women's Service League here, the ladies there, went to the Dallas uh, office for Salvation Army and they got them to come on board with this. And to start this GAP program, and it's going to be phenomenal. It really is going to help it'll a be, lot of kids. It'll be a real, real blessing. Like I said, there have been other uh, ministries. There's a church in Benbrook that has started it, and uh, it's pretty amazing. There's a huge church in Dallas that advocates adoption for uh, foster children, and that has been mm -hmm. a real, real blessing, a real blessing. Um, true. Yes, Julie. I'm sorry. How do you think... Um, Disaster response would change if there were no Christians, no Christian organizations. Well, I can tell you right now, when we were out there and we heard stories from another organization that is not Christ-based, and um, they would throw the food away, mm -hmm. they would not allow, uh, there's no ministering whatsoever, none. Mm. There is no, uh, since it's not based <coughs> Base, they don't allow for uh, any kind of ministering of hope or anything like that. Um, mm -hmm. 
fun. That makes the difference. You had talked with some people from those organization, that organization, and they were complaining about the conditions that they were in and, and this kind of thing. And they were getting paid by mm -hmm. the organization to be there. Oh. And Cindy said to them, you're paid? She said, we volunteer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know, you do. Uh -huh. uh, but yeah, it, it, it's totally different. The faith-based organizations like Samaritan's Purse was there. Oh, and yeah. so many people yeah. from... But it, there's a distinct difference between the ones that are faith-based and those that aren't a big difference. <coughs> if we weren't, if the faith-based organizations weren't there, people would be in a, a lot more hurt. A lot more. So what are the steps someone would take if they wanted to volunteer for Salvation Army? Well, you don't, there's no steps to volunteer. You just, in our, in our situation here, we are the first one and only in the whole organization We're of the, the first Salvation. One. Now there's two of us. Well, now there's two, but they, they, well, they don't count just yet. <laughs> they're, they're newbies. We are the first one in, and one and only. And uh, it's simply because there is no um, core. Because there's no core here, which is a church. There's no core here. It's not big enough to have a core. And we're 35 miles from Fort Worth, who has a core. That's why they allowed us to set up this Women's Service League. And these women started out nine women ten years ago, nine years ago, years. and they now are up to a hundred and one hundred and sixty-nine women. We have over about one hundred and seventy thousand dollars in the bank. Mm. Our rapid response vehicle is paid for. Mm. So if you want to be a part of it, you come the second Tuesday of the month, every month to De Cordova, September through May. And while you're there, of course, they will ask you very sweetly and very gently, uh, do you want to be a part of something? <laughs> and then if you want to be on the rapid response vehicle, then you have to take the test. And they're basically um, organizational hierarchies, uh, safety, uh, food service, all of that kind of stuff, to be on, to be on the truck. To do disaster. To do disaster. But if you want but to. Actually, every one of those has a class, a course, even the GAP. They all have courses. You take. They have but courses. If you want but if you can do it online. Once a month, those of us that are, took the FEMA classes and are, are trained to drive the truck or, or to be on the truck, then we do um, rotation. You know, like you'll cover a week, like Eduardo and I will do a week, where if there's like a major fire or a chemical thing or something where the first responders are called out, then they call us and we follow them and we provide the coffee, food, you know, snacks, drinks, whatever for the first responders. And so they really appreciate us mm -hmm. being there. But in order to do that, you have to take these four FEMA classes, the FEMA classes. which, which mm -hmm. are <laughs> they're hard. Like I said, mm -hmm. they're one of the hardest mm -hmm. tests I've ever taken in my life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But um, and we flunked. Test one <laughs> we flunked it two times. How many times can you take it? You can take it three, three or four times. But anyway, that's, um, good. That's, good. That, that's how you get involved. In, and basically, that's what I wanted to do. Uh, I wanted to be involved in the disaster. 
Yeah. Uh, leave. I mean, I, I am on the board now, and Deb is on the board, and now Cindy's going to be on the board next Yay. month. Uh, we, you know, and have particular jobs, which is so ironic. Ironic when when Deb was first sent to do the care, the the soul care, and, and I was sitting at home, and I was doubting myself, and and I was having Shannon pray for me, and like, well, maybe my prayers aren't aren't very good. Maybe there's something wrong with my prayers, you know. And then I stopped praying. I, I even stopped praying for people, you know, and um, then the Lord told me why, and I said, okay, okay, I can accept that, but it was still a tough one, and so then Deb told me, and I was corresponding secretary, and which, uh, and then so she tells me, she said, okay, they have a position open, they ask you to be the chaplain. <laughs> oh, wow. oh, so yes, I said, yeah, okay, God, I get to pray. Um, but anywho, anywho, um, the disaster, the das Cindy says I'm off on a rabbit trail, but the disaster uh, portion of it is is ministering uh, food and prayer and um, just just helping people in, in times of disaster. Mm -hmm. One of the last things, and I'll hush, uh, we went to the restaurant. We, we went to an actual restaurant down into Panama Beach, oh, Panama okay. City Beach, yeah. Everything was closed. But this one Cajun place. And Cindy said, I can't eat it, seafood. And we said, Cindy, there's nothing left. This is it, babe. So we go in there, and we're in our little red shirts. It is not complimentary on her because she's so tall and skinny. But it was just like a tent and our little hats and our ears. Because we dare not take our hat off. Our hair was awful. You know? There was no curling iron. And, then, you know, we had our... So everybody could tell we were Salvation Army, which I kind of felt bad. I thought we should at least dolled up a little more to represent the Salvation Army. We're in there, we're eating, and have this food to die for. If you ever go to Panama City Beach, it's a Cajun place. When it was all said and done, we were about ready to order dessert, and the waitress came over and said, a gentleman has paid for your food. Oh, wow. Yeah, he, he said, cool. when you walked in the door with your shirt saying Salvation Army, he said, I have to bless those women. Bread pudding. Bread pudding. <laughs> <laughs> it, was, it was mammoth. We had several. The big was several. I love bread pudding. Wow. They did that for us. That awesome. would buy our lunch or buy our dinner. It would just kind of come out of nowhere. And they said, you are here working for us. God. So we want to awesome. bless you. Yeah. Yeah. So That's awesome. Really very nice. Well, the one thing that I thought was really sad, and, and I had a gentleman that came up to our our canteen, and he said, because uh, he lived in, in, in Mexico City Beach, he had a gorgeous home on the beach on Stilks, and he said, what well, they're, of course, not telling the public is the sheriff had gone through that town and he said, please evacuate, please evacuate. Mm -hmm. And there were people with these absolutely gorgeous houses going, no, we're not leaving these houses. Wow. We will not be looted. And he said, then do me a favor. Write your social security number and your birth date on your arm. Mm -hmm. He said, so I know how to identify you. Mm -hmm. And they still would not leave. Wow. Mm -hmm. So if we saw signs, at first we didn't understand what it meant. It was 358. We're 358 strong. That was 358 people who died. In, in Mexico at City point. Beach, wow. at Mexico City Beach, at that yeah. point, and they were coming in again, uh, taking out dead people. But they were begged to evacuate, 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 evacuate. And it's a story about the little squirrel that has his fist in the jar, yes, and he can't take it out. Yeah, they, that was these people. They just would not leave. And and the irony of it is, is they lost it all anyway, along with their lives. Well, one of the little gals that worked at the dollar store in Fountain. Um, she and her 
they didn't think that it was going to come that A lot far. of people said that. They, they and just stayed where they, they were. And she said her boyfriend's not a Christian. And he was with her in the house. And she said, they, she said it sounded like two, like three freight trains around mm -hmm. them. She mm -hmm. said you could hear it. It mm -hmm. was just going, mm -hmm. going, going. And she just, and he's just going crazy. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to die. We're going to die. You know, more, you know, like this. And she said, we're going to be fine. She said, I prayed and I trust that God's going to take care of us. She said, all the trees around her house wiped out. Not one thing happened to her house. Mm -hmm. Not one. Wow. There was a lot of stories Just like that. Wow. One man yeah. said the family prayed because there's a lot of trees and they didn't want them to come down on them. Mm -hmm. And they said the Lord protected them. He said, but I almost felt guilty because the tree that was right in front of my house fell over on the neighbor oh, <laughs> and I said well you have is the neighbor all right well the neighbor wasn't there and I said okay there you go. Yeah. we had a lot of people no one got killed that I prayed with no one mm -hmm. yeah when we were I mean at, no uh, one died in that storm the mm -hmm. school and we had gone there to serve we served 800 meals in like mm -hmm. an hour and a half Wow. And so they sent a, a different canteen that could serve up to 1,800 um, the next day. But what we found out from people, they were coming to get food for, for people that were literally trapped inside their house mm -hmm. from trees. They couldn't get out. And people were down there, people that owned chainsaws and stuff were trying to get them out. And they had been in there for... Uh, one family had been stuck in their house for seven days. Oh, wow. Wow. And so, goodness. I mean, you think about that. What do you do? You can't get out. Mm -hmm. You're trapped. Yeah. You know, your neighbors would come call to you, you know, through the, the window and pass food to you. But, My goodness. Yeah. Well, that was the one thing, main thing that I used in prayer with those people was to give them hope. Mm -hmm. You know, are you okay? Yes. Is your family okay? Yes. Did anyone get hurt or perish and no okay Praise then God protected you yes. mm -hmm. you can go forward you know mm -hmm. but no one and there was a few people that had heart attacks after mm. we heard of yeah. but no one I mean as bad as it was they got scrapes and bruises but no one died in that thing it was mm. it was God mm. and some of this some of the prayers that we prayed we have no clue what the no, ending exactly. was. I mean, there there just may be residuals going on and on right. and on. Ripples. But when we left, exactly. there was another crew coming, and they were going to go on into Panama. I mean, on into uh, Mexico Beach. Beach. Mexico City. Because they, you know, they had had time to to go through the rubble, and people were coming back into their house. So when we left, there was one more crew coming. So after that. They said, just keep praying for them because <coughs> they go through the steps, mm -hmm. the shock, the trauma. Yeah. They're angry. Anger. Mm -hmm. And then the depression sets in. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So my goal, and I'm sure their goal, was to pray for as many people as we could mm -hmm. and give them hope. Yeah. But what's interesting, <clears throat> though, about this, too, is that not only are you there for the people that have been impacted by the storm, but God had us placed with people in the Salvation Army that needed to be ministered to. That too. It was amazing yeah. how uh, those we got those opportunities, mm -hmm. you know, that you were there. Because yeah. many of the people that are Christians, they're born again, but mm -hmm. not many of them are spirit-filled. Wow. And so um, 
it's interesting how God gives you a word of knowledge mm -hmm. for them, and I then you it. go and you talk That's to awesome. them and pray over them and, and stuff. But it, it, that was a real neat opportunity. We met so many <clears throat> wonderful, wonderful people from all over. That's amazing. That are Salvation Army people that just, they're the salt of the earth. They're the oh, best. God. I have a from question Canada? on, uh, where you, share, you shared that we would ne never know those the stories of the people. Do they yeah. have anything on the Salvation Army site that people can go in and say No, there's there's a point of, of privacy. There's there's a point of, of privacy. In fact, right, um, in taking could, pictures, well, they would they, they would be able to say, uh, you know, how the community is doing, but I don't think individually that we would have to ask. Well, they if we're taking pictures. Yeah, yeah, if we're taking permission. pictures. Yeah. Could we take pictures with you? Because it is a point of privacy. But I mean, the people there, could they go, is there a place on Salvation Army site where they can go and say mm -hmm. Salvation Army, the well, people did they this they could go into the Facebook. Oh, testimonials? testimonials. Oh, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure they, yeah. That would be awesome. I'm sure they would. Look at those. They have yeah, what they, they call so public information specialists. They're the ones that deal with, like, the, the news people. The day-to-day. -day. Uh, the day-to-day -day stuff. They make sure that if you are taking pictures that you get a release from the people that oh. have agreed to take yeah. a picture with you or whatever. Um, so we just can't arbitrarily post anything or whatever, but um, that's why they have a public information specialist. That's good. We, ours was a real firecracker. She was, <laughs> she was fun. Well, thank y'all. This was wonderful. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I have one thing for Cindy. Cindy said that she was went there to feed people, but they moved you into praying, and the the men were doing the feeding. But you fed them in a different way. You well, I, I had to soul. help feed, but I got to mainly. Well, and mainly. now we're going to go back and all take classes. See, they have and rules. <laughs> yeah. That was God that did that, because usually they don't let you do that if you don't go through the spiritual, what is it, care? Emotional and spiritual. Emotional and spiritual. They have classes for that. But so we're going to go in May and all get the classes. But so you know, we'll be legal. It was funny. We hadn't, <laughs> Linda and I hadn't had the emotional and spiritual care part of it either. And when Alvin called and said that he wanted us to come as emotional and spiritual care people to North Carolina, we said, yeah. And we looked at each other, well, I haven't done that yet. So they handed us a, a handbook when we got there. <laughs> and... Uh, but Cliff notes. Yeah, Cliff notes. That, that was about it. Well, I hadn't still hadn't even gotten my food service when right. I went. But. Wow. But I've been know, I've been in the restaurant business all my life, so I guess I'm. The amazing bad. thing, though, is that our major, that was the one that was um, our operational command, that we had in North Carolina. He came up to Linda and I, and he said, "I'm not telling you this. I've been to 26 disasters." And he said, I'm not just saying this to make you feel good or anything. He said, I have to tell the two of you, I have never worked with emotional and spiritual care people quite like you. Yeah. <laughs> you are, he said, you've done an outstanding job. Yeah. And, you know, well, here Linda's we went thinking, we don't know nothing. Yeah. Linda Dowell. Yeah. Yeah. She's spirit-filled, too. Right. Yes. That's Bar. just what I would like to say, too is that I'm so touched by God using yes. each one of you mm -hmm. so mightily. Mm -hmm. It's just wow. so, you know, I, I'm speaking for myself here. I take my life so for granted. You know, I've got my little house. I've got, you know, things that mm -hmm. mean something to me. Cannot imagine what it would be like mm -hmm. to be in those places. Mm -hmm. 
You, you can't, and it happens in one day. <coughs> it happened in one day. Suddenly. Just, yeah. And it I was sat back and meditate when I got back, and, and I think about what I did, and on a normal day, I couldn't do it. I mean, you get up early, you go eat, you get dressed, you go out, and you work all day. Lift heavy things, and you come back, you eat, you go to bed. I mean, it's just... Wow. It is, I, and at home, breaks. I get tired from day to day, but it's a supernatural thing. Thanks. Because you're doing energy, yeah. You're working for the Lord, and it supernaturally it gives, you gives you the strength and the energy, and you just feel His presence the whole time you're there, and that's the it blessing. Is. That's so cool. It's like you're just, you feel Him all the time. I mean, you do at home too, but it's in and out. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but you're not lifting right. huge things of water, <laughs> and you're not lifting huge things of food. Yeah. And well, I had two men. I didn't have to do that. Any more questions before we close? Anybody have any questions before we three, get three women? No. Where are we going to go eat? Well, thank you. <laughs> thank y'all. We appreciate it. Thank you're you for letting us share. Well, we needed to share. Okay. Wow. Thank you. Yeah, this is